a focused summary of chapters 32 through 34 of Pride and Prejudice. The next morning, Elizabeth is sitting by herself when she is startled by a ring at the door. She is more surprised still to discover that her visitor is Mr. Darcy. He is astonished to find her alone and apologizes for intruding. They sit down, and after an awkward period of silence, Elizabeth raises the issue of his hasty departure from Netherfield, curious to know what he would say. He says it is probable that Bingley will spend little time at Netherfield in the future, and will likely give it up if a good purchase offer is made. Elizabeth then leaves it to Mr. Darcy to start a conversation, and his subject is Lady Catherine's kindness to Mr. Collins and his good fortune in marrying Charlotte. When this leads to contention over what distance ought to be considered near to or far from one's family, he draws his chair nearer to her and suggests questioningly that she cannot have a strong attachment to home. Elizabeth's surprise at the comment prompts him to resume a cold tone and change the subject. Charlotte and her sister return from town, and a few minutes later Darcy goes away. After his departure, Charlotte declares he must be in love with Elizabeth, but after Elizabeth's account of their exchange, it seems less likely. They decide instead that he simply had nothing better to do. Darcy and his cousin begin regularly calling, and Elizabeth finds as much pleasure in the company and admiration of Colonel Fitzwilliam as she did with that of her former favorite, Mr. Wickham. It is difficult for anyone to understand why Darcy comes, since he often sits for ten minutes without opening his lips. Charlotte studies him in the hope she will see signs that he is in love with her friend, but without much success. Elizabeth only laughs at the idea, and Charlotte does not press it, since she thinks her friend's dislike would vanish if she supposed Darcy to be in her power, and then she might be vulnerable to disappointment. She sometimes plans that she will marry Colonel Fitzwilliam instead. Elizabeth thinks it is ill luck when she encounters Mr. Darcy on her rambles in the park, especially when it occurs a second and even a third time, and she cannot comprehend why he finds it necessary to turn and walk with her. She is perplexed by the personal questions he asks, and by the implication that she would stay at Rosings when she came again to Kent, and she concludes that he must be thinking of the possibility of her marrying Colonel Fitzwilliam. One day, she is surprised in her walk by Colonel Fitzwilliam himself. When, at one point, she says something teasingly about Darcy always having his way, he turns the conversation to the fact that younger sons must inure themselves to self-denial and dependence. They cannot, for example, marry where they like. Elizabeth colors at the thought that this comment was meant for her, and she returns to her teasing of Darcy to show that she is unaffected by it. At one point, Colonel Fitzwilliam mentions that he shares guardianship of Georgiana Darcy, and when Elizabeth suggests that as a Darcy she must be difficult to manage, Colonel Fitzwilliam's expression tells her that she has gotten near the truth. Then Bingley's name comes up in conversation, and Colonel Fitzwilliam says he has reason to believe that Bingley is very much indebted to Darcy. When Elizabeth asks what he means, he explains that Darcy recently congratulated himself on having saved a friend from an imprudent marriage, and Bingley seems to be the kind of young man to get in a scrape of that sort. Elizabeth questions him further, 
but aside from hearing that there were objections to the lady, he knows nothing more. Not trusting herself to discuss it further, Elizabeth changes the subject, and only later when she is shut up in her room can she think it over without interruption. She comes to conclude that Darcy's pride and caprice were the cause of all Jane, with her generous heart, had suffered. She reflects that no objections could be made to Jane herself, or to her father. About her mother, she is less confident, but she feels certain that Darcy's objections concern her family's want of connections much more than her mother's want of sense. Agitated, tearful, and unwilling to see Mr. Darcy, she determines not to attend her cousins to Rosings. Mrs. Collins does not press her, but her husband cannot conceal his apprehension that Lady Catherine will be displeased. Elizabeth reviews all the letters Jane had written her, with a heightened awareness of every line that suggests her sister's sufferings. She is consoled to know that Darcy is to leave Rosings the day after next, and that in less than a fortnight she will be with Jane again. The doorbell rings, and to Elizabeth's utter amazement, Mr. Darcy walks into the room. He asks after her health, and she answers him with cold civility. For a few minutes, he walks about the room not saying a word, and then, approaching her in an agitated manner, he says that he has struggled in vain and can no longer repress his ardent admiration and love for her. Elizabeth is astonished beyond expression, and when she stares at him in silence, he considers it encouragement and continues. He expresses eloquently all he feels and has long felt for her but he also explains how her inferiority has been an obstacle to his inclination. At first, Elizabeth cannot help but be flattered by his affection, but his later language rouses her to anger and resentment. When he expresses his hope that he will be rewarded by her acceptance of his hand, with an expression that suggests he has no expectation he will be refused, the color rises to her cheeks, and she answers him with exasperation. She refuses him coldly, and she says spitefully that she hopes the feelings that have hindered his regard will help him in overcoming it. He asks why he is rejected without even an endeavor at civility, and she, in turn, asks why he chose to tell her he liked her against his will, against reason, and against his character. Then she adds that no consideration could ever have tempted her to marry someone who ruined a beloved sister's happiness and reduced a deserving man to poverty. Darcy answers her with indignation, suggesting his faults might have been overlooked if her pride had not been wounded by his honest confession of scruples. He will not apologize for expressing them, since he abhors dishonesty and regards his feelings as natural and just. Elizabeth, growing angrier every moment, says that the mode of his declaration only spared her any concern she might have had in refusing him, and adds that he could not have made his offer in any way that would have tempted her. She says his manners and character convinced her long ago that he was the last man in the world she could be prevailed upon to marry. Darcy, incredulous and mortified, says she has said enough, and apologizes for taking up her time. Then he turns and hastily leaves the room. Elizabeth is left in tears and tumult. It is incredible to her, 
and even gratifying that she could have inspired so strong an affection. But his abominable pride, his shameless avowal of what he did to Jane, and his unfeeling manner in regard to Wickham overcome any trace she has of pity. When she hears the approach of the carriage bearing Charlotte back from Rosings, she hurries away to her room where she can remain alone.' 